Has someone ever told you to stop being so immature? Well, when they say that to us, it's implying that we are not being as wise or as mature as we ought to be. But what about the Christian faith? How mature is your faith in your relationship with Christ? Well, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about in today's podcast. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and let's get into it. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. This is Jason Amin. It's so blessed to be with you guys as always, as we are now entering into podcast 221. And we're going to be looking now at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I know a lot of my faithful listeners out there have been wondering what on earth has happened to the podcast. I think I had mentioned a previous uh, two podcasts, whenever it was, that uh, we'd be hitting a lot of travel coming up. And so it's prevented me from being able to be in the studio uh, and to really dive into this. Uh, so I have some time in between another travel coming up. And so I wanted to get this out to all of my faithful listeners and excited, really. I've been missing uh, jumping into 1 Corinthians with you guys. And so if you've missed any previous podcast, again, you could always check that out at standstrongministries.org. You can click on the podcast link or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you get them downloaded. And please leave us a review that continues to help reach more people just like you to stand strong in the word. And that is our mission. Verse by verse, studying God's word, making that time. I was just in a uh, panel discussion recently and just a lot of the questions that people are asking, it goes back to the Bible. It goes back to so many uh, Christians, young and, and old who fail um, to understand the value and the importance and the power of God's word. And so very few Christians actually turn to the word of God for comfort and for answers. And so I pray that as we dive in on this topic about how spiritually mature are you, that again, this will cut to the heart and really help you see the truth of God's word uh, in your life and how you devote your life to it. And I will say, and I've told you guys this before, and I'm saying it again, without God's word in my life, you know, I would be a foolish man and I would be prideful, a lot more prideful. I'd be a lot more sinful. I'd be a lot more foolish. And I think that you would say the same about you. And so we humble ourselves before God's word. And so in this discussion now, it's important for us to point out that there was a lack of spiritual discernment. And there was also these misconceptions that were taking place within the Corinthians regarding what the work of God ought to be in the church. And it's ironic because even though we're having this discussion, uh, you know, and, and looking at Paul's writing to the Corinthians, he was having this in the first century with this early church in, in, in Greek culture. And we're still having that conversation today. So 1 Corinthians 3, it provides believers with a clearer understanding of the role of Christian leaders in building the church of Christ. My friends, that's one thing we're going to be seeing as we go through this particular chapter is how we are building up the church of Christ. That will be a sign or an indicator of how mature your faith is. It also emphasizes the importance of spiritual maturity and the need to rely on Christ as the only foundation of and for our faith. 
So that's what we're going to be looking at as we're diving into 1 Corinthians 3. We're going to see that Paul warns believers to be cautious about how they build on the foundation of Christ. That's wisdom. That's maturity. Another level of maturity that we're going to be seeing is emphasizing what kind of work we should be doing. And when it is tested by the fire, meaning when it is judged, we will find out. And, and some... In some instances, and I would say in some cases right now, if you just evaluate your life and see how you have been, quote unquote, building the church of Christ up. Knowing that, yes, Christ is the foundation and I'm building uh, from that, okay? Whatever it looks like in your life. And you wondered yourself, how much of what I've done, quote unquote, for Christ will be sustainable, will endure the coming judgment. And that's what we're going to be diving into towards the end of this chapter. So ultimately, the believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're reminded that yes, we belong to Christ and that we are not to boast in human leadership. We're not to boast in our own pride or our own talent. We're not to pursue worldly wisdom, but instead we're to rely on the wisdom of God. So today in verses one through four, notice right off the bat where Paul says, but I brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not ready for you are still the flesh For while there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? All right, so let's now look at this presentation that Paul puts together in the opening, okay? And in its proper context, we have to, again, uh, go back and better understand what Paul was saying prior to uh, what he's now mentioning about, like, hey, I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to give you guys more of an understanding, a deeper understanding, a more mature level of the faith, but I was not able to because you guys are in the flesh. You guys are carnal. So let's go back in chapter two. Remember, one of the things that Paul was talking about was the reliance of the Holy Spirit and the hope for the church to not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God, he says in verse five. And then verse 16, or excuse me, verse six through 16 was about imparting the wisdom of God in life and having the mind of Christ. But some people have received the spirit of the world. But he says, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God, verse 12. And the spiritual person is one who judges all things, okay? So having this mind of Christ is someone who is living a life under the protection and guidance and humility of Christ, somebody who's putting the needs of others above themselves, and somebody who is with that imparted wisdom is not basing it off of the world, but interpreting the spiritual truths and using their spiritual gifts empowered by the Holy Spirit to not be selfish, not to pursue selfish ambition or conceit as you go back to Philippians chapter two, verses one through five talks about, 
not someone who's so invested in their own interests, but someone who, who has the mind of Christ is pursuing the needs of others and meeting other people where they're at, helping the weak and not considering again themselves, but, but the interest of others. So somebody who is living faithfully in Christ, the, the word of Christ is dwelling in them richly and they're teaching and they're admonishing and they're singing and they're thanking. That's all Colossians 3, 16 through 17. So somebody who is mature in Christ is someone who has Christ, you know, not only is Christ dwelling in their hearts through faith and therefore, therefore they're rooted and grounded, but this person is living out the, the fullness of God. Now, obviously on the side of heaven, it's going to be limited, but someone who's mature that you, you just, you're always fascinated. You're always drawn, not just to their, not again, their personality, but to their, their love in Christ, their faith in Christ, their love for others, their knowledge and understanding of the word of God and seeing how they build up the body of Christ. So with the, so I say all that because now as Paul transitions into the topic of division, in so doing, he recognizes that the Corinthians lack the spiritual matur- maturity to comprehend and obey the word of God. So all the things we just talked about, the mind that you have, the mind of Christ that, that is imparted in our lives, okay? But when there's division or when he's, you know, in essence, like what we would say to some people say, hey, stop being so immature, not right thinking, not, not right decision-making, you know, you're not clearly thinking that was a foolish mistake. That was an unwise decision type thing, right? So stopping immature. Paul, is, in essence, is saying that. But he goes deeper by saying, but your people of the flesh, your infants in Christ. Okay? So they lack the spiritual maturity to comprehend the word of God. Therefore, they're not obeying it. So when Paul says, I could not address, that word address means to build onto what had been previously known. Now, if you're an educator, if you're a pastor listening, if you're a parent listening, you know that you would like to help your kids, your students, your congregants move forward in something. But when you have to go backward because they lack the ability to understand, that could be problematic. Now, the legendary theologian F.F. Bruce sees Paul's plea in chapter three as a call for believers to grow in faith and maturity. So that's what we do. We, We call it out and then we call them to say hey you need to be more wise you know you 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 should have been more advanced that's why like when we have grade levels and sometimes you associate the age to the grade so if you have somebody who's 15 in eighth grade the vast majority of time um you have somebody who is maybe 13 uh you know 12 13 in eighth grade so 15, you should be maybe starting off as a sophomore. So you could, so just by age to a grade, it's, they're either advanced, supposedly, if you look at it, you know, the median, like, you know, the, the average or by a curve, or they're, they're not advanced, they're behind. And so in this case, let's say spiritually, and again, it's hard to measure this, but I'm just giving it in terms of the way that we, the scope and sequence of what we do academically, right? 
if you were to have a 16-year-old who's already working on their master's degree, right, we would call that person a genius because the vast majority of people are still in high school and not working on a master's at 16. And so what Paul's saying here is you guys should be graduates or maybe you guys should be, you know, I should, I wanted to be teaching you guys on a graduate level, but I couldn't do that because you're people of the flesh or infants of Christ. You guys are still stuck in elementary. So your age is not reflecting your grade. So where they are currently at when he's writing this letter, they should be more advanced spiritually. And I want you to stop and think about that. What kind of growth has happened in your life? What kind of development? How have you matured in your Christian walk? Now this word spiritual, so we can you know, better maybe help you, under, you know, answer that question. If you go back to chapter two, as I was alluding to earlier, that's what Paul was distinguishing. So to help you go back to chapter two, where Paul was distinguishing between the spiritual man and the natural man. Those who are spiritual he said they have the mind of Christ, verse 16 of chapter two. And people who have the mind of Christ, they're capable of discerning and obeying the will of God. So in the case of the Corinthians, they had received the Holy Spirit, right? So they're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. We're gonna be seeing that later in verse 16 of chapter three. But what happened with them is that they were not growing in spiritual maturity. They weren't, so they weren't being empowered. They weren't being guided to grow and be disciplined to live in a manner worthy of Christ. Okay? So you could get a membership at the gym. You know, you could even get a trainer. But if you don't show up, you're you're not going to change. Or even if you do show up, but you're not giving it your all and you're not really working hard and not really listening. And that's a lot of it, my friends, unfortunately, is like Christians. They're people of the flesh. And so, yes, yeah, sometimes it could be blurred where you're like, are they saved? Are they not saved? And so instead of questioning sanctification, we just automatically either question their salvation or make a judgment call and say, I don't believe they're saved because of the way they're acting. And I think in some cases, and again, this is hard when you don't know, you know, you know the, the exact situation, but I think a lot of Christians out there are people in the flesh. They are infants uh, in Christ. And so what does that look like? Okay, well, let's let's now unpack this segment because these are very important distinctions that Paul is giving when it comes to the uh, Christians in Corinth. So the people of the flesh, let's let's first start with this this phrase. And this is going to be helpful for you guys, maybe in your own personal life with some family members and of course people in your sphere of influence. Because oftentimes we have someone who is a Christian, but they're very immature and they could be living in the world and they need some guidance from us. And this is what Paul is trying to do. He understands where they should, where they ought to be. And what instead what he's doing is he's trying to guide them where they should be. But in order to do that, he has to recognize where they're currently at. So this phrase, people of the flesh, they are worldly. Okay, so it's the Greek word sarkonioia. And it means carnal. So they're people who submit to the Greco-Roman values and lifestyles of pagan influence. So that they, you know, went to, you know, the quote unquote altar call kind of a thing. Um, but these Corinthians, according to Paul, were not fully controlled under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So they, they're convicted by the work of the Holy Spirit. So they give themselves over to, to that 
Um, but then they lack also uh, the ability um, to really, you know, mature because they're not being controlled, even though, again, they're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They're quenching the work of the Holy Spirit. They're grieving the work of the Holy Spirit. So he or she, in this case, can still give themselves over to the flesh. But remember, if you look at Romans 7, 24 and 25, it says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I, I myself serve the, the, the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. So there is that pull. And a lot of times people compromise and they say, oh, you know, that's just who I am. This is how I self-identify. And so they're not lusts and passions. They're not indulgences. Instead, the way they see it is, oh, um, you know, this is just what I do. And they don't really think it's a big uh, deal. And so they they basically downgrade or they diminish uh, the power of sin in their own lives. And that's sad because then what they're admitting to subconsciously, perhaps, I think in some cases and mainly consciously, they're aware of this, but they are admitting how powerless they are to the flesh. So they're people of the flesh, they're carnal. So they're living according to the values and lifestyles of the pagan influence, the Greco-Roman culture, rather than, their newfound faith, which then um, he recognizes them as a result of that as infants in Christ. And this imagery is used in both Hellenistic and Jewish philosophy to depict an immature child, Nepoi, a non-speaker. So these are people who are not articulate. They're not capable of speaking about and for their Christian faith. Uh, they have no legal standing in society. So immature child, an infant, as Paul is using this terminology, uh, they have no legal standing. And the sad reality is there's so much of these infant in Christ, if you will, Christians today. And when they try to speak on things uh, related to the Christian faith, they're not capable of doing it. It's not that they disbelieve it. See, that's if they did, then they wouldn't be a Christian. The NIV cultural background study Bible says thinkers frequently depicted the unlearned as babies who needed milk. The image was acceptable for beginning students, but insulting to those who thought themselves mature in wisdom. Okay? So thinkers frequently depicted the unlearned as babies who needed milk. This is why Paul addresses this, because remember, he's applying, he says, you guys are people of the culture, and he's using first century culture in the Greco-Roman era, according to their values and lifestyles, and you guys are reflecting this, though you put your faith and trust in the Lord. So, but insulting to those who thought themselves mature in wisdom. So the reality is they can boast about how mature they are. I was actually just watching a debate recently of a man who thinks he's so smart. He's an atheist guy, um, but he's foolish. He, he has worldly wisdom. So he may have these degrees or these followers and has read these books or wrote these books, you know, but in the eyes of God, um, he is an immature uh, individual. So it was not Paul's fault or lack of training that caused the Corinthians, right, to live these immature and carnal lives. One of the commentaries that I was looking at said the apostle put forward the three types of humanity, the natural man who operates only from his own soul and receiveth not the things of God, two, the spiritual man who listens to the spirit of God, and three, immature or carnal believers who are characterized as babes in Christ in contrast to the mature believers mentioned in chapter two, verse six. So, so, so this is what we have to look at, that there's the natural man, 
uh, who again, who's not of the things of God, doesn't believe in the things, doesn't operate in that. And the spiritual man who does listen to the, to the spirit of God. And then you have the immature carnal who are characterized as babes in Christ. So you have one who is not saved, another who is saved and is mature and growing in their faith and developing, and one who is saved but is a babe in Christ, is immature, is not developing. So that's why he says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Even now you are not ready. So most of the issues that Paul's relating to the church in Corinth has to do with their immaturity. He was expecting, again, as I said earlier, and hoping that the Corinthians would have grown he was hoping that they would have gained a more robust and productive faith, but that wasn't the case. This it then explains why we're seeing Paul approach them at this period of the letter, the way in which he's doing by giving this infant analogy to help them understand uh, their spiritual maturity. Okay, because remember, they don't, they don't have a lot of people that they can refer to and say, oh no, we should be here. This is a newfound faith, and this region is predominantly paganistic. So in using this analogy, Paul is recounting how underdeveloped the Corinthians were when he taught them the basics of the Christian faith. So they're not ready at this point to learn. They're not ready to follow the deeper things of God in the Christian faith. I think this is important to understand our audience because I think sometimes we try to level it up when they're not capable of receiving it. Or we dumb it down and and yet there are people who says, no, we've been in this stage, if you will, in this grade for, we're, we're, you know, we're just repeating the same old stuff. We want more meat. Now, what's also fascinating, and this is very common to the teaching of Paul, he is using this infant analogy, I believe, from Isaiah 28 verse 9, to whom will he teach knowledge and to whom will he explain the message? Those who are weaned from the milk, those taken from the breast, or Isaiah 60, verse 16, you shall suck the milk of nations, you shall nurse at the breast of kings, and you shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Here's how Warren Wearsby breaks it down according to verse 2. He says, the Word of God is our spiritual food. So you see milk in 1 Peter 2, 2. It's referred to as bread in Matthew 4, 4. The writer of Hebrews refers to it as meat in Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. And of course, David in Psalm 119, verse 103, refers to it as honey. So just, Warren Wearsby writes, just as the physical person needs, needs a balanced diet if his or her body is to be healthy, so the inner person needs a balanced diet of spiritual food. Babies begin with milk, but as they grow and their teeth develop, they need solid food. So that is applicable uh, and demonstrable as we see throughout scripture in our spiritual development. In Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, you see the instance of uh, them lacking understanding the basic principles of the oracles of God. And he says, so you need milk, meaning you can grow, you can mature, but you need to eat the, you need to drink the milk. You can't take on solid food. You're not going to be able to digest it. It's dangerous for you. And this is so important, my friends. I do believe that we have more milk drinkers in the churches and even in leadership today than ever before. And we have to pray and be patient and discerning of how do we take these unskilled individuals who are living on milk, they're unskilled in the word of righteousness, the writer of Hebrews says, they're children, or as Paul says, they're infants, they're immature. How do we grow them 
feed them on the milk, right? To where they desire it like honey, like David did, and that it becomes the bread of their life, right? The words they feed off of to do the, my, he says, my food, my nourishment is to do the will of my father. And that's how we get to the solid food. And the writer of Hebrews says in verse 14, per, people who are on solid food, they're mature. They have the powers of discernment. They're trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So infants in Christ, people of the flesh, they, they don't distinguish right from wrong. They do the wrong. They're quenching the work of the spirit, okay? So that's why when he's talking about, you know, you're still in the flesh and then, and then you're behaving a certain way, there's jealousies and strife. That's an indication of immaturity. So if you see division and jealousy among uh, Christians or in your church today, that's a sign of people that are of the flesh. That's according to scripture right here. So you want to know how mature the leadership is? You want to know how mature the church is spiritually? I don't care what their mission statement says. I don't care what kind of band they have and the t type of popular music they have. If there's division and jealousy, because look, he says, for you are still of the flesh, for while there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? So Paul poses two questions to the Corinthians to compel them to repent of their arrogant self-image. That is so important. So a lot of times when people say, oh, you know, they downplay, you know, the sin in their life, that's actually arrogance. Most often. Most often it's arrogance. And that's what's causing major problems among the community of the believers is this arrogant self-image. And so this phrase, still of the flesh, again, still of the world, Zondervan Bible Commentary says, again, not sarkinio, if I'm pronouncing that right, it's a hard word, sarkinio, in verse one, which we saw earlier he's referencing, which was excusable at the stage of the development, but sarkikio, which is used twice in this verse. So it's a different phrase. He's not using the same flesh term. He's using a worldly term. It's applying to the world. It's indicative not just of their state, but of their attitude, fleshly and woolly inexcusable. That's powerful. So when Paul is referring to this people of the flesh, sarkinio, carnal, you know, it's how they're living. But he's now saying you're still the flesh, meaning you guys have an attitude. And see, that's what happens when jealousy and strife is a part of it. These, these words that Paul is using here, um, you know, jealousy alongside with quarreling, he's pointing out that the Corinthians are living according to the characteristics of the flesh. And what are they? Well, you look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 20, a book that we studied on this podcast. If you see the combined usage of what he's saying here, you're, he's using it again in this next letter of his to the Corinthians. So what he saw with the Galatians, he's seeing here with the Corinthians. It's idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, all sorts of things. So when he's saying of the flesh and behaving only in a human way, Paul is surprised by the lack of spiritual maturity among the Corinthians and therefore he calls him out for it. In chapter 2, verse 4, remember, Paul mentioned that he came to them in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. So, even though they did not have a lot of example of this, because again, it's a still a newfound faith in a paganistic culture, the Corinthians were accountable because they were well aware of how you are to conduct yourself and what it looked like in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So they did have that example. And I know there's extended grace and that's what Paul's doing this, this letter, though you should be more mature, you're not, but I'm gonna help you along. And I'm gonna be an example. Now, what he does point out, because again, that, that's, that arrogant, arrogance and that self-image, what we tend to do then is we then we start building up a network. And it's not just about me, but it's also who I know. So then we start finding our identity or power and I follow Paul, he says here in verse four, or I follow Apollos. And he says, are, are you not being merely human? So this is another strike that Paul focuses in on that is so important because when he returns to his previous point, going back to chapter one, verse 12, regarding special groups, remember that's how he first introduced this. And this is important because again, if you go back to the Greco-Roman world, it wasn't so much what you knew, but who you knew. So remember, in one sense, it's like worldly wisdom. But in another, it's about the people in the world that you want to know and that you want to know you. So for the lower class to get what they wanted, they needed to gain favor from someone of the upper class. And that was known as a patronage. Um, Paul's addressing this very thing among the Corinthians who are applying the patronage system, if you will, to Christianity. So again, what, they're, what are they doing? People of the flesh and their infants of Christ they're taking things of the world and they're applying them to the Christian faith. And they need to be trained that that's not the way it works in the Christian faith. Again, to have the mind of Christ is about humility, submitting yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's, and it's, it's demonstrating your actions uh, through that power, okay? Which is, again, so powerful, um, but it's overlooked. And ironically, the ministry that Paul and Paul shared in Corinth, right? And if you go back to Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 28, they demonstrated to the people uh, what it looked like to have a level of maturity. And you see how they cooperated with one another and how they respected one another. But that's what happens in the flesh is we can divide that. We can separate those things. And so the Corinthians in their pride, they were taking sides. So even though Paul and Apollos were not divided and they respected one another and they were cooperating in the work of the Holy Spirit. The people of the world that were attached to them can start doing that. I've seen that in the ministry. It may not have been your intent, um, but very quickly you will see that separation uh, take place. And so that was what's, what was happening. They took Apollos, who was the eloquent Jew from Alexandria, very smart, had access to a lot of literature, and he knew the scriptures and he preached Jesus with great zeal course he was trained to be more effective through aquila and priscilla as you see that in acts chapter 18 verse 26 and also chapter 19 verse 1 he's mentioned first corinthians 1 1 he's also mentioned in first corinthians 1 12 chapter 3 chapter 4 at the end of this letter in chapter 16 verse 12 he's also mentioned titus chapter 3 verse 13 so paulus you guys is is mentioned multiple times in paul's letters and in one commentary was saying perhaps the Gentile to understand what was happening or perhaps the Gentile Christians claim to be of Paul considering themselves his disciples and the intellectuals of the Corinthian church may have supported the Alexandrian leader Apollos who had ministered in Corinth according to Acts chapter 19 verse 1. So rather Paul preferred for himself and Apollos to be viewed only as ministers who served the church according to the gifts and abilities they had received from God. And so maybe there was this again stirring up in this jealousy and strife. And the good thing is when you do have mature, healthy leaders, they're not going to fall prey to that. 
They're not going to give in to the pressures of the world. And sadly, we've seen that. When there's jealousies and there's strife, there's immaturity. There's people of the flesh, there's infants of Christ. And instead of feeding the milk, um, you just continue to feed them more and more things that run contrary to the Bible. And we're seeing that just completely decimate churches. And so what we have to do, my friends, when you look at your life, and this is the takeaway as I close, the takeaway here is, are you a spiritual person who is living according to the word of God? And, and let's say you've been a Christian for several years. Are you still drinking milk? If, if, if someone looked at your life right now, your decision-making, is it of the world or is it of Christ? And, and, and as, we, as, we, as we dive deeper, ask yourself, how are you building up the church of Christ? Ask yourself, like when Paul's confronted these things, are you still the flesh? Do you have an attitude that is one that is filled with pride? Is there jealousy and strife in your life? These are things, if, if, if you're saying, yes, there is, there is pride, there is jealousy, there is strife, I'm still drinking milk. And to be honest, I don't have a desire. And I fell upon this podcast where I've been kind of listening here and there and I'm not really grounded. You are an immature Christian. That's a fact. And the question, my friend, is do you want to stay that way? Do you want to stay in this immaturity? Do you want to be unskilled? Do you want to be ravished by the world? Do you want to take sides and become territorial or tribalistic? Or... Do you want to be a Christian who is a meat eater who in return can teach and train and disciple others? So when you have so many Christians who've never been discipled and you mix it with other people who've been Christians for years and you're not really growing under their quote unquote leadership or guidance and you want to be, you're, you are submitting but it's, it's not solid stuff. There's not a lot of substance. That's an indication perhaps that these are people of the flesh. They're people who are infants of Christ. And that's what we have to be aware of. And that's what I'm thankful. When I think of this podcast, I, I always go back to this passage of scripture and I can't wait and we get into verses five through eight talking about what kind of rewards will we receive? Well, as an immature Christian, not much, not many, not much, right? But if you are a mature Christian, you will receive uh, the rewards because you've been a faithful steward doing the things that God has called you to do. So my friends, I hope and pray that as you reflected your life, that you are growing, you are a mature Christian. And I want to say, if this ministry has helped you do that, this podcast has helped you grow in your faith to, to partake of meat and not just milk, but have a desire to um, eat of God's word like honey. If you look at Psalm 19 as a description, let me know that. You can contact us at info at standstrongministries.org. And I'm encouraging a lot of the listeners out there, even in my travels recently, I had some people come up to me and say, hey, we've been downloading your podcast. We read your books and we so appreciate you. And man, I love that. I love meeting my brothers and sisters out there and my supporters, people who pray for me, my family, and people who financially support this ministry. And so I'm asking many of you guys to prayerfully consider uh, donating and becoming a monthly Stand Strong supporter so we can continue to do the work that God has called us to help Christians stand strong in their faith no matter the cost. Love you guys. Until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. Music.